Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS In The Now podcast channel as we are continuing with our Washington Weekly podcast series. Joining me once again for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, thank you for dropping by here on a Friday morning, spending some time with our listeners, our clients, and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you, Dan. It's good to be with you as always. And it's been another eventful week, not only in D.C., but around the world. Absolutely. So to that point, plenty to catch up on. I recall, Shane, you had joined us a week ago last Friday. We updated our listeners on the latest with respect to the Israel-Hamas war, which, as you alluded to, a lot of developments over the past seven days or so. So from what you can gather as a starting point, can you speak a bit to what the situation on the ground looks like today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Israel is faced um, with a a number of uh, logistics, you know, not only from their uh, amassing IDF uh, uh, troops on the border with Gaza, preparing for their likely uh, ground uh, um, incursion, uh, but also, you know, uh, I just heard that they have evacuated a town in the north that borders Lebanon as their uh, have been shelling uh, Hezbollah targets and are anticipating Hezbollah to strike back. Um, Israel is also keeping an eye on, you know, uh, um, some uh, Hamas uh, actors in the West Bank or Hamas supporters. So, you know, there's a number of things going on in the ground. I think, you know, Israel uh, continues to prepare and plan for um, going into Gaza, and you know, their goals are really twofold: one, to uh, eliminate Hamas, and two, rescue as many of the some two hundred hostages as they can. Want to bring our listeners up to speed a bit on President Biden's travels this week. And of course, we heard from him last night. He did deliver an address to the nation outlining his thoughts and perhaps the response from the U.S. not only to Israel, but other conflicts as well. What are some highlights, takeaways from President Biden's travels to Israel this week where he met with officials? And what can we expect going forward in the way of what the U.S. might pledge to this effort and others around the world? Yeah, you know, as uh, President Biden traveled to Israel, you know, it was overshadowed by um, a bomb uh, in a uh, at a hospital in Gaza, which Hamas immediately blamed Israel for. And since then, we've seen intelligence uh, show that it was more likely um, the act of uh, Islamic Jihad. So, you know, I, that kind of set the tone. Um, to some extent, because President Biden was also going to meet with, you know, leaders of Egypt, um, the Palestinians and Jordan, and those meetings were canceled. So the focus of his trip was um, meeting with with uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu and also, you know, Israeli citizens, including uh, families of those who are being held hostage in Gaza. I think, you know, his... Um, trip to Israel, you know, achieved a few things. You know, it reassured Israel that the U.S. is um, standing with Israel, and, you know, it was a real show of force. And to some extent, you know, he wanted to um, also warn Iran and Hezbollah that the U.S. 
supporting Israel and they need to tread lightly. Um, you know, so there, there are a number of things going on, you know, for such a short trip because, you know, his time on the ground was dwarfed by the travel time. I think, you know, he also kind of tried to, uh, show a little bit of restraint where, you know, he, he said that, you know, after 9-11 and U.S., the U.S. pursued the war on terror, you know, the U.S. itself made some mistakes. So, you know, I think he was also trying to show a little bit of an olive branch. And including in that olive branch was uh, some $100 million in humanitarian aid um, to Palestinians. Uh, that still has not gotten into uh, the Gaza Strip. I believe it's on the border in Egypt right now and probably should be going in to help some of those uh, Palestinians who need humanitarian aid at this point. Um, you know, and, you know, with his speech last night, you know, I think uh, this is one of his better speeches as president. You know, wasn't solely focused on um, Israel, because, you know, a bulk of his request of uh, about $100 billion was for um, Ukraine, but a chunk was for Israel, for military and humanitarian aid for Israel. And I think, you know, this will be a big push for him uh, in Congress uh, in the coming days to see how much of that $100 billion he can get passed into law. You know, it, it's not only Ukraine, Israel, but there's also money for uh, Taiwan, some money for the southwest border of the U.S. Um, so, you know, it, some of that funding may be chopped off. Um, I know you'll have Republican concerns that this is not going to be paid for with, you know, either uh, tax increases or um, um, spending cuts. Uh, so, you know, it'll be added to the federal deficit, and that will bring some concern. But overall, I think there is generally a support uh, for Congress for most of this uh, funding for uh, aid uh, coming forth. Well, Shane, thank you. That was a very helpful recap and consideration of the amount of moving parts at play here. And we'll continue, of course, to keep our listeners informed on this in the weeks ahead. I do want to pivot a bit, come back stateside, as we have been talking about efforts up on Capitol Hill to elect, search for the next House Speaker. I I think as I'm speaking right now, there is perhaps another vote underway, a third vote, so to speak. So can you bring us up to speed as to where this all stands? and what next steps might consist of? Yes, Congressman Jim Jordan, who's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is currently the speaker designate, uh, but that really is just a symbolic. That means the Republican conference has agreed that you know he is um, their uh, proposed candidate, but the reality is he doesn't have sufficient support within the Republican Party to become the speaker. He's already uh, fallen short on two votes, and as you said, you know, a third vote is, underway. I think, um, you know, he will again be short. And I think he will, the number of Republicans voting against him, essentially, I think that's going to grow. And the question remains to kind of us is, you know, how does he go forward from here? Since he's not really gaining support within the Republican Party and losing it, you know, how long does he continue this? How long does he continue to put... um, uh, House Republicans in a tough spot of trying to uh, continuously vote for him when it's when it appears that he is not going to uh, become the speaker. So does he back down? Do Republicans uh, pivot maybe over the weekend to someone else? There was a proposal um, 
yesterday that had a lot of momentum for about an hour, which was to grant the Speaker uh, pro tem uh, Patrick McHenry extra powers for um, a few weeks while this all gets sorted out so that, you know, um, while Republicans sort this out, they could deal with these very important issues like government funding, aid to Ukraine and Israel, et cetera. Um, but that was quickly um, kiboshed by a number of Republicans. So I think Republicans are going to try and push forward. Um, and if it, if it goes like it appears that uh, that Congressman Jordan cannot get the sufficient votes, we're going to be keeping an eye on to see who Republicans pivot to in the coming days. A number of names are being kind of quietly discussed about who could um, rise from the Republicans. So uh, I think we're, we're in for a few more interesting days until this comes to a resolution. Yeah, I'm sure Shane will follow up on this next week to see how the next few days into next week take shape, though. As always, Shane, thank you for dropping by. Very helpful conversation, keeping our listeners informed in terms of what's transpiring around the globe and, of course, here at home as well. So do wish you a nice week in the head, Shane, and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again next week. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Dan. Take care and have a great weekend. Thank you, Shane. Again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Before we wrap up, just a quick housekeeping item for our listeners, our clients. You can locate the latest Washington Weekly publication available for you now up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. Again, that's UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 